Good morning and thank you for joining us here at Thompson Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Hank Wilson. We're glad to have you here. Now I invite you to come with me and let us again turn to the book of Galatians where we will go and hear what the Apostle Paul has to the churches in Galatia. I remind you this is the word of the Lord that we hear this morning. So be encouraged as you hear from Galatians chapter 4 verses 8 through 11. Galatians 4 verses 8 through 11. Paul says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you now, seeking your wisdom, your truth, and all of this world which offers us lie after lie after lie, after our own heart which draws us towards sin. We ask, O Lord, that you would turn our hearts now toward your word, that your Holy Spirit would convict us of our own sin, that would, uh, your Holy Spirit would move us toward repentance from this very sin, that we would turn back to you, O Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Galatians, grace in the midst of rebellion. Americans have a tendency to glamorize rebellion. Think about it for a moment. We see it in movies. We see it in books. We see it in stories. We hear it on the news. Even recently, with the United States Navy, we see rebellion glamorized. Remember movies like uh, Rebel Without a Cause, or one of my favorites, uh, the rebellion that was created in Star Wars. That rebelled against the empire and if you're from the south you know that during the war between the states or the war of northern aggression people were called rebels and if you were in the south you believe that term to be somewhat endearing we love to root for the underdog we love when one is um, propped up in their spirit of rebellion when someone seeks to break the rules traditions Whatever is been, has been established, if one doesn't like it, it's okay then to follow your own heart and to rebel against that. There are many examples that we could have before us today. But America glamorizes rebellion. And after all, isn't America a nation that was born out of rebellion? And I'm not here to speak whether rebellion is good or bad in those various contexts. What I am here to speak about is that we as Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, people of God, are no different when it comes to rebellion. Our very hearts seek rebellion. Rebellion against God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt that in our own life we have rebelled against God. God, either what he has said in his word or how we have been convicted in our heart by his Holy Spirit, we have rebelled against him and sinned. 
As we look at this passage, we see the Galatians doing this very same thing, turning away from God, the God who Paul had introduced them to, the God of the gospel. You know, last week we looked at what it meant to become a Christian, that you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, Romans 10, 9 through 10. And now in Galatians, we read Paul coming to those very Christians that confess those things and calling them to task for their disobedience to God, for their unwillingness to heed the word of God, to listen to the gospel message, to understand that there is only one gospel and to live by that very gospel. These Christians who were confessing that Jesus was Lord and believed in their heart that God raised him from the dead and now began to turn. In this passage, we'll first see that God gives us, his people, the freedom to be obedient. Or, put another way, he gives us the freedom to be disobedient. You see, in the next few moments, we're not going to be dealing with whether a person is saved or not. Whether or not one obeys or disobeys isn't necessarily telling of their salvation. We dealt with that last week. What we are dealing with this week, though, is the sanctification of one who claims to be a Christian. Sanctification, a big word, simply means a a turning away from our sinful nature toward Christ and walking in holiness. Not dealing with our justification, whether or not we stand right before God. We already believe and know that that is true. In our own heart, we are Christians. We call on the name of the Lord. Our faith and and trust is completely in Him and His work. And so today we will deal with the Christian and their sanctification, their walk, seeking after the things of God. After all, that is who Paul is speaking to here, the one who says and proclaims that Jesus is Lord, believes it in their heart, yet they turn away from the things of God of God they rebel God also allows us to seek after him or to seek after other things isn't that the freedom that we have in this passage that we have the freedom as a child of God to either be worshipers of God or worshipers of something else we have the ability to look to God seek after God to yearn after God or to yearn after other things. The church in Galatia had begun to look uh, to the festivals of the world, to the seasons of the world. And if you look at Galatians 4, uh, verse 10 with me, let's go back there to kind of understand where Paul is here. He basically is charging them. He says, you observe days and months and seasons and years. And now this is Not necessarily a charge against the fact that they keep a calendar or that they're planning out their life. No, what he means is that they are somehow operating in a realm in which this day, this observation of days, festivals or months and seasons, whatever this is, it is consuming them. Rather than worshiping God, they are worshiping a calendar. They're worshiping days. Maybe it's the harvest that's in light here. Maybe it's uh, they're worshiping the day in which the harvest comes to light and there's a festival and, and everyone is joyous. 
Either way, the point here is that we begin to worship the creation rather than the creator. That's the point. Look at Galatians 4 verse 9. Paul is reminding them why they should not do this. He says, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You see, what happens when we turn away from God to these things of the world, when we turn away from the creator to the creation, we end up becoming slaves to that very creation to these worthless elementary principles of the world. We become more worldly-minded than heavenly-minded. We began to look at the things of the world. The Galatians were turning away from God. And Paul here is recognizing that God does allow freedom in his kingdom for people to turn away and to be disobedient. For instance, let's look at one of the greatest examples by Israel and their disobedience, their uh, unwillingness to follow after God. You remember the story? Go back to Exodus 32. You can turn there with me if you would like. Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32, we know that the story of Moses is one uh, in which we see the people of God being very rebellious. It comes on the tales of everything given by God as law. God gives the people of Israel the law. And he lays out every detail of the law for them. And how they are to obey, what they are to do. And we read in the very beginning of chapter 32 that uh, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down, he wasn't fast enough to come down from the mountain. They wanted more. There was a, a desire there for them to have something uh, more quick, faster. Wanted Moses to be more expedient. The people then gathered around Aaron and said to him, Up, make up gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. They became impatient. They began to look at the things of the world and asked Aaron to create a god. Again, looking rather to the creation, rather than the creator. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold. He tells them to take off all their gold, to take off all these things, and they end up making, as you well know, you're very familiar with this passage, I hope. He makes a golden calf that they can worship, that they can put out in front of them to remind them, to give them hope, and we all can remember back what happens when Moses comes off the mountain and he sees it immediately drawn to the noise. He's aware of what's going on below. And when he sees what's going on, he becomes angered. Verse 15, then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets that were written on both sides on the front and on the back they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the, the tablets. And so here they, Israel, are given the law of God, written by the hand of God on these tablets, given to Moses to carry down. And Joshua then, in verse 17, hears this loud noise. There is a noise of war in the camp, he said. But it's not a sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing 
that I hear. In other words, Israel had been worshiping the golden calf. And in verse 19, we see, And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot. And he threw the tablets out of his hand and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. You see, in this story, God allows his people that he just rescued from their captors in Egypt. You see, this isn't a people who didn't know better. This is a people who had been saved by God. And God drew them out of Egypt and brought them and is carrying them to the promised land and has given them his law. And they, in their heart, in their rebellion, turn away from God. They turn away from God. There's another story I'd like to share with you. There is a man that my wife and I know. Many, many years ago, when we first got married, we had a, a dear lady that was our dear friend who married this man. And when she married this man, uh, it was a, pretty much a, an amazing testimony. This man had been involved in drugs and alcohol and, and uh, was in a rock band, and that was his life, and that's all he did. And it was not about the things of God. But yet one day, God somehow reached down in his mercy and his grace and his love for this man. And he changed his heart and he pricked his heart. And the man heard the call of God and he responded in faith. And over time, after they got married, they had a child. And my wife and I began to really build a relationship with his family. And we, we had uh, them over for dinner. And we were in their Bible studies together. And we were in Sunday school class together. We spent a lot of time together just fellowshipping with this dear brother and his wife. His wife was raised in a Christian home. He was not. His wife was a Christian. We knew that. We knew her well. But this young man was new to the faith. And then one day, everything changed. For whatever reason, this man walked away from everything God, from everything in the Christian faith. He no longer wanted to believe what was offered to him in the gospel. He left his wife. He left his child. He left his faith, went back to drugs and alcohol. And I guess at this point in his time in life, I have no idea where he is today, still continues to seek after things of the world rather than God. And while at first glance this may be very confusing for us, maybe you have a very similar story. You know someone who has tasted and at once believed in the gospel but seems to have turned away. You see, God allows his people for whatever reason to turn away at times from him to the things of the world he allowed so with Israel he allowed so with my friend and maybe yours maybe a family member but he also does so with the church now, many of us come from various denominations we have uh, historical backgrounds that all of us should be very familiar with and one that has plagued the Presbyterian Church for many many years is what I will call liberalism now, liberalism isn't simply the opposite of being a conservative, conservatism. No, liberalism is something at its core, at the root, much deeper, that has plagued our denomination and others like it. Maybe it's your denomination as well. 
And that is this. At the root of this liberalism is a desire or a finality in turning from God, his law, his word, to our own. In other words, what happens when uh, one uh, espouses liberalism is they take the word of God and they read his truth and they see what he says and they then turn it and set it aside for pragmatism for their own belief, for their own heart, for their own reason, and they look to themselves. I think of a couple of ways in which this has plagued the denomination in which I have experienced uh, the uh, Presbyterian Church in America, in which we uh, dealt with liberalism coming in the form of ordaining men who did not even believe in scripture, who did not even believe that Jesus performed miracles. But being no longer a part of that denomination and seeing how that split has taken place and what has happened there, the ARP, the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, of which we now belong, and, and I am definitely a minister of the gospel in the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, which I love dearly, we are not immune to this either. You see, in our history, we even had liberal professors in our college and in our seminaries. It wasn't until recently that we have dealt with these, that we had people who were teaching the Bible who held unbiblical views. It's not that they had a different interpretation or a different understanding of Scripture. No, what they did was they took Scripture, read it, and then set it aside, not as the truth that it is that we proclaim and confess, and in my mind, this idea of liberalism in the church uh, leads us to then turn from God toward ourself. Rather than worshiping the creator, we worship the creation. Maybe that's our own mind, our own heart. God allows his people in various forms and various ways to turn and rebel, to be disobedient. The Apostle James even recognizes this, right? In James chapter 5, you can turn there with me. James chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. Read what James says about this. He says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Here's a bringing back one who has wandered from the truth, has set God's truth aside, and now is moving toward a lie. And if we bring this one back from what? From sin. You see, when we turn away from God, we need to be very serious about what we are doing and, and be very honest with what we are doing. We are sinning against God. We are rebelling against his very word. We are sinning against a holy, holy God. And if we bring one back from this, maybe that one back is ourself. We will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins, James says. But there's something more than rebellion in this passage that I want you to see this morning. There's something greater than just a people of God turning away from God. We know that that is a part of this world. We know that even in our own life, we have turned away from God. There are times in our life where we have turned from him toward other things. Sometimes it's very subtle. 
Sometimes it's not so much. Sometimes it's very open and, and blatant that we openly turn from God. Maybe there's someone you know in your own life that has turned from God. Maybe you have turned from God. Maybe you are disobeying the very God that you confess is Jesus our Lord. What I see this morning, though, in this passage is not a negative turning from God, but rather an opportunity, which I will call the grace and mercy of God. God is giving us this freedom, I believe. And I wonder if he does this because he is providing for us greater opportunities to repent to live in his grace, to understand his grace, to experience his forgiveness. He gives us an opportunity to disobey so that we may turn back to him. I think there's no greater thing than to experience the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of God. You see, Paul in his passage is imploring the Galatians to repent and to turn from the things of the world toward the things of God. He doesn't simply stop with, you're doing wrong. You're sinning against God. No, he basically says, stop. Don't you remember where you came from? Don't you remember that God made himself known to you, that he called you by his name, that he saved you? He's imploring them to turn back to God, the God of their salvation. The God who took Israel out of Egypt and brought them to the promised land. The God who took us out of our sin and misery and is taking us to the promised land. That's what Paul is doing with the Galatians. And that is what I believe this passage does for us. You see, you see God's grace and mercy in this passage because you see Paul being the representative, the mouthpiece of God here, who is showing God's grace. What I mean by that is God sends Paul to give them another chance to repent and return to him. God doesn't say, listen, all right, you can't obey, so therefore you're just cut off. You're done. No. The God that we worship, the God of the Bible, is one filled with grace and mercy. He gives the Galatians the opportunity to repent and to return to him as he did Israel in the desert. God has made himself known, it says, to his people. God has made himself known to you. Read verse 9 again. But now that you have come to know God. And again, Paul is clarifying here that it's not your knowledge. You haven't done this. God is the one who saves. And we talked about that last week. And he goes on to say, we're rather to be known by God. How can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? How can you do that when you know that God has called you by his name, called you out and adopted you into the kingdom of heaven? God does give us freedom to obey or disobey him. But if you are a child of God, you know what it means to be known by God. You have tasted the grace and the mercy. You understand what it means that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. That, that he was buried dead and he was raised again. That he ascended into heaven and seated at God's right hand. And is the king of all things. You know what this means. You've experienced it. And this call that Paul gives to the Galatians, I now give to you. You know, people do make mistakes. 
People do turn from God. As a pastor, I am not immune to this. There are times in my life when I turn from God. I look at other things. Hopefully as I grow in my sanctification and my growth into Christ, it becomes fewer and far between. It becomes shorter. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. That there are times when I put my my faith, my focus on the things of this world, on the seasons, on the times. It sometimes draws me into encouragement or discouragement based off of the season and what's taking place. But God, if we focus on God, we know that we are saved. Now he does allow us to make mistakes. Israel turned to the golden calf. Yet they were shown grace and allowed to repent they were given an opportunity to once again hear the law of God and to obey to turn from worshiping a golden calf to worshiping God the father the God of the universe I have no idea uh, of my friend a guy who I was often caught fishing with and and uh listening to music with and having a wonderful time. I don't know if he has ever turned back to God. I don't know where he is in his walk with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I don't know if he believes what he said he believed then. I don't know those things, but I do know this, and this is what I'm assured of today, that if he were to turn and repent, if God called him yet again in grace and mercy through his word, And this man turned and reached out to God. He would be forgiven. If he turned and repented of his sin, God would show grace and mercy. I believe that and I know that. Even our denominations we've seen that have struggled, even our churches that have struggled, that have gone down this path of liberalism and have turned from God, we know that those can be overcome through repentance asking for forgiveness of sin, and knowing that God extends His grace yet again to a body of believers, not just one to many, to denominations, to churches. That's what I want you to get out of this passage today. I want you to see that what Paul is talking about is an ability, an opportunity to turn away from those things of the world, to turn away from our sin, and to turn back to God in repentance. This is where we see God's grace and his mercy for us. Maybe you're uh, one who is currently running after something else. Maybe you're one who has turned from God and you're, you're chasing after something. Maybe it's a desire in your heart. Maybe it's a, a person. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's something. And you've turned away from God. Here's what I want you to understand today. That that is not final that there is an opportunity to turn back to repent of that sin and to look to god more importantly look to his son jesus christ in faith that you may be saved maybe you're one who's out there worshiping someone or something else maybe in your own life you've gotten caught up in worshiping the creation rather than the creator maybe you spend a lot of time and energy on the things of this world Your mind, your time, your energy all consumed on these things rather than consumed on God. 
and you find yourself wrestling with this sin. And maybe you're justifying this sin. But I'm here to tell you, it is rebellion. It is sin. But the grace of God is extended to you. Repent and believe. Turn away from those sins. Turn away from worshiping the creation and turn to worshiping the creator. While the world looks at rebellion, glamorizes it, and sees freedom in this. It's, a, it's something to be embraced. It's your heart. It's your desire. You follow after it. I'm here to tell you that the world is wrong. That that is rebellion. And in the Christian faith, that is not to be lifted up. Rather, it's to be shunned. It is sinning against a holy God. What we should do, rather, is we should come to our knees. Recognize our sin. And put our faith and our trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Turn back to Him as Paul is asking the Galatians and imploring the Galatians, I implore you, turn back. And whatever your sin, I don't know it. You don't have to tell me what it is. Whatever your sin is, if you turn from that, you repent and you ask for forgiveness, I'm here to tell you I believe in a God that will forgive you of your sin. I believe he's the God of the Bible. And I believe that is true. How do I know this? Well, let me share with you just a little story in closing. Turn in your Bibles, if you have it, to Luke chapter 23, the, the story of the crucifixion of our Lord. And there's this great opportunity that we have to see forgiveness and repentance and action by Jesus himself in Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. We read the story of the criminals that were hanging with Jesus on the cross. One of the criminals said, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. And then the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnations? You see, one got it and one didn't, right? Verse 41, And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. One of the criminals recognizes we are getting what we deserve. We have disobeyed the law and we deserve punishment. Brothers and sisters, isn't that true for all of us? Without Christ, we deserve God's wrath. And isn't it great that the story doesn't end there? There's a verse 42 and 43, two verses here that I want you to see. This is the grace of God encapsulated in a few words. And Jesus said to this man, after the man says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What happens here? The man repents and asks for forgiveness in these few words. And, and at this point, many of us might say, well, Jesus has a, an option here to, uh, to not forgive. And he may hold a grudge or he may hold him condemned. But Jesus is on the very cross in which he is dying for the sins of the world. And he has no choice but what we see in verse 43. But to respond in grace and forgiveness by saying those words, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. What is Jesus saying? I have forgiven you. That I have forgiven your sin. That I have forgiven the fact that you have turned away from God and you now turn to me. God in flesh. The Savior of the world. Wherever you are, whatever your sin, repent. Repent and believe in Jesus Christ. 
that you may be forgiven. This passage isn't about obedience, disobedience. No, it's about grace. It's about mercy. Mercy of God the Father in who we worship and who we love, by whose name we are called. I invite you, once again, to experience that grace and that mercy through the forgiveness of our sin. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? Repent and believe. Turn back to God, your Father. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that this morning we can come and we can hear your word. That we can be encouraged that it's not about obedience or disobedience. We know that we are disobedient, O Lord. We know that we fall short of your glory. We know that even though we are called by your name, daily we struggle with our own sin. And some of us have walked so far away. And you've given us the freedom to do so. But Lord, you don't do so without calling us back. You don't do so without sharing your love for us. That's exhibited through your son, Jesus Christ, through grace and mercy. Lord, help us to repent of our sin. Help us in all forms, in all circumstances to turn to you. To seek forgiveness of our sin. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Brothers and sisters, thank you for being with us today. I receive the benediction of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May the Father who chose you, the Son who bought you, and the Spirit who teaches you make goodness and mercy pursue you all the days of your life and preserve your life, though you walk in the midst of trouble. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. God bless. <laughs>